And here over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about some stories of people who've made a decision to follow Christ and how that's affected their life. And I remember a couple of days after this, I mean, this is just a couple of weeks ago when, this, when, uh, when Bailey, you know, defined, decided to surrender his life to Christ and really just give it all over to him and, and, and really take ownership of his faith. And what was so cool about it is I met with him a couple of days later and he's like, man, the only thing that like I feel like I want to do right now is to tell people about Jesus. And this is what I know. What I know is two months ago, that video would have never happened because he would have never done that. And what's so cool is, is that we get to celebrate with him in his new walk with God and what that looks like. And this is what I want to challenge you with this series, because this series is going to be off the heezy fo sheezy. It's going to be sick, nasty. That's all I got to say about it. And so you don't want to miss this series. This series is called Oomph, uh, or means one of my followers. And we're going to talk about that here in a second. But uh, Tonight, what I want to talk to you about is this. I'm going to talk to you from, from this. I'm going to say, here, here's the thing. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Follow to lead. I'm going to talk to you about following to lead. Now, you're a part of 12 Stone Church, and 12 Stone Church talks a lot about leadership. We say things like, we are here to reach the lost, to serve the least, and to raise up leaders. And, and we talk about leadership a lot. In fact, we even have a John Maxwell Leadership Center as a part of our Sugarloaf Campus. And John Maxwell is like a leadership guru who speaks to hundreds of thousands of people across the country. He's written nearly 70 books. I mean, this guy is a leadership guru, and he's a part of 12 Stone and a part of who we are in the DNA of our church. And we're all about leadership around here. We're all about raising up leaders and we're intentionally focused on doing that. We have a student leadership team that is a part of this ministry. We have all kinds of leadership opportunities to develop people. And I think sometimes when you talk a lot about leadership and a lot of people hear these conversations about you need to be a leader, you need to step up, you need to be a leader, a lot of times some things can get tr lost in the translation, namely that the first call of every leader is to be a follower first. That at the core of Christian leadership is followership. That the Christian leader actually leads out of the way that he follows. Christian leadership is, is no more and no less than followership. In fact, Leonard Sweet says this, Christianity may be more than followership, but certainly not less. The whole idea of being a disciple, when we call ourselves a disciple of Jesus, the word disciple means a learner of or a follower of the one that you are, the one that you are claiming as your disciple. -y. And literally what we're saying is, is that we're all disciples of Jesus, that we are all disciples of him. Therefore, we are a learner of or a follower of Jesus. And so at the core of Christianity <clears throat> is followership. And I think that sometimes in, in the conversation of leadership, we all want to be first, we all want to be the leader, we all want to get that, but we have a difficult time with followership, even when it comes to our relationship with God. And tonight, I want to talk to you about what it means to follow to lead. Because here's the truth, in the background of every great leader, in the background of every great leader is someone who they've been following that has invested time into their life. Every great leader is and was a pupil. It doesn't matter who you are, every great leader is and was a pupil. And I want to challenge you with this because as we're in this series, Oomph, one of my followers, 
This question kind of came to my mind as I was thinking about how to set up the beginning of this series and, and launch into it. And here's the question. Would Jesus recognize you as his oomph? Would Jesus recognize you as one of his followers? I want you to think about that. I want you to marinate on that as we go through this entire series because the truth is, is that there is nothing that is more important than in your life than locking down and understanding and knowing that number one, you are a follower of Jesus. Let's, let's stop talking about leadership for just a moment and let's have the conversation about how a Christian actually leads out of how he follows. I can show you this from scripture. Let's take Peter, for example. Peter was the leader of the disciples. The full, complete list of disciples are mentioned in four different chapters in the New Testament. And like Mark chapter 10 and, and uh, Acts chapter 1, the disciples are mentioned in this list. Peter is listed at the top of the list every single time. Peter is the number one disciple listed. We see Peter doing all sorts of things that all of the other disciples did not have the opportunity to do. It was Peter who stepped out of the boat into the water when Jesus was walking on water. Jesus is not the only person who's walked on water. Peter has walked on water as well. We see that when the, the group of men came to arrest Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, it was Peter who pulled out his sword and cut off the ear of, of, the guy who, of, the, of the, one of the guys, Malchus, who was coming to arrest Jesus. This is, this is this guy. He was always the first one to speak up. In fact, Jesus asked them in Matthew chapter 16, he's asking the disciples, so who do all the people say that I am? And well, some say Elijah and some say one of the prophets and some say John the Baptist. And he says, who do you say that I am to his disciples? And his disciples speak up. One disciple speaks up, Peter. And Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, Peter, I tell you, that this was not revealed to you by man, but by my father in heaven. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That Jesus even proclaims that Peter on this rock, on you, that the church will be built, that, that you are the leader. We see that after Jesus dies and he raises from the dead and, uh, and, and he reveals himself to his disciples and he ascends back into heaven. In Acts chapter 2, the beginning of the church, the disciples are present and it's at Pentecost and Peter is the one who steps up and delivers the first sermon and 3,000 people are saved and Peter is a leader in the church from this point on doing unbelievable things for God. Peter was the leader of the disciples. We know that Peter was the oldest of the disciples as well. Matthew chapter 17 Jesus and is having a conversation with some of the religious leaders, and they're like, what, are you guys not going to pay the temple tax? And Jesus says, hey, Peter, why don't you go catch a fish over there? And after you catch him, I want you to reach into his mouth and pull out a coin, and that coin will pay the temple tax for you and for me. Now, all the disciples would have been present, and this is what we know. You only had to pay the temple tax if you were 20 years old or older. What that means is, is that the other 11 disciples were all under the age of 20. Every one of them were teenagers. The disciples were teenagers, except for Peter. Peter was the de facto leader of the disciples. But you know what we also find about Peter? Is that even though Peter's position was leader over the disciples, Peter's posture was follower of Jesus. Peter's posture was follower of Jesus. In fact, we see Peter... Uh, in, in his entire, it, everything about him is pointing to the fact that he was a follower first. 
He was a follower first. In fact, he even says this. He says, he says we have left everything to follow you. In, in uh, Matthew 19, 27, we have left everything to follow you. The first thing that Jesus says when he meets Peter is follow me. The last thing that, he's, that, P, that Jesus says to Peter when he ascends into heaven is follow me. That Peter lived his entire life understanding that the core of who he was was a follower. Even though everyone recognized him as a leader, he never saw himself as more as a father because what, follower because what made him such a great leader was the fact that he postured himself as a follower. And let me tell you something. What makes you a great leader is that you posture yourself as a follower. That you follow first. And that's the first point if you're taking notes there. Is that follow first. Follow first. If you want to see a movement happen in your personal life, if you want to see a movement happen in your school, if you want to see a movement happen in your neighborhood, if you want to see God do something that is so big, that is so unexplainable, that cannot even be, <clears throat> that cannot even be grasped, that the only, the only explanation would be that God stepped into the mix would be is if you posture yourself as a follower of Jesus. That everything in your life comes secondary to that. And when we talk about following first, there's this cool little video clip I want to show you. And I want to explain to you what's going on as it's going, just to show you this idea of what it looks like to follow to lead. Check this out. This is actually at the Sasquatch Music Festival. And this dude is awesome. And first we see this shirtless guy. He's the leader. And he decides to stand out, step up, and give in to the love of the dance. He has the guts to step up. He puts his reputation on the line, and here's his first follower. He must have been watching from the margins and just decided, hey, you know what? I want to be a part of this cool guy. Look at him. He just calls to his friends. The first follower allows for this to become more than just a solo one nut dancing around doing nothing. In fact, Derek Seaver says this, it is the first follower that turns a lone nut into a leader. And now no longer is it two nuts, but here comes the third guy. Now there's three. <laughs> so good. And three's a crowd. It is now much safer for those people on the sidelines to jump in and join the movement. The wall of fear is crumbling. And now more come to join in. And a movement is born. Momentum is forward and people cannot get to the action fast enough. Look at him running. This guy comes through in a speedo in a minute. It's awesome. It is interesting that now that those who do not join the movement are the outcasts versus the lone dancer being the outcast. The fear of standing out has overwhelmed the fear of missing out. No one wants to miss out on the excitement. And notice you cannot even see the leader anymore. You can't even see him. He's faded into the crowd.
Dude, is that not crazy? So awesome. So here's the deal. The guy who started dancing will get all the credit. But it was the person who came and followed first that really made that turn into a movement. Jesus started a dance 2,000 years ago. Some young teenagers jumped in, and they began to dance with him. And this movement called Christianity was born. And throughout all history, people have been running to this amazing dance, letting all inhibitions go so that they can be a part of something that is so much bigger than themselves, being a part of God's family. So here's my question for you. Are you a follower? Are you one of his followers? Would he recognize you? See, there was this guy. His last name's Engel. Created this thing called the Engel scale. And the Engel scale was this, was this idea of how to measure where people are spiritually. Now, that's kind of a, a difficult task because there's no way really to kind of measure and tell exactly where people are, but he tried to define it. And so he basically had numbers going all the way to negative 10 and numbers going all the way to positive 10. I have some numbers down here on chairs in front of you just to kind of symbolize. And right here in the middle chair is zero. And you can see negative one, negative two, negative three, negative four. A picture chair is going to continue on on the negative 10. And then you have positive one, two, three, four, and continuing on. And this is what he said. He said, you know, a negative 10 would be someone that is, that is so far from God. It would be someone who is like, I hate God. I don't even care. I don't believe. I, this, is, this is crazy. Almost even, almost even hostile. Like, if you believe in God, like, I will kill you. Like, that's like a negative 10. Like, it is the most aggressive of aggressive in hating God and anyone who loves God. And then maybe like a negative seven would be someone who's just like a, a staunch atheist, agnostic, whoever. And they're just like, I don't want any part of that. Christians and religion are of the devil. If there is a, such a thing, I mean, these people are crazy. And then and as it goes down, a negative four would be someone who's like, yeah, you know what? I'm just not going to go to church, bro. I, I do my own thing or whatever. I mean, that's cool for you, but that's, that's not cool for me. And it kind of works itself around to where like a negative two would be someone who, who maybe they've been attending church a little bit in their life. They know some of the Bible stories. They know a little bit about God. They may even think that they're Christians because they prayed some prayer along the way. They've never really crossed the line of salvation. They've never really given their faith to Jesus. They've never really repented of their sin. But, but they're kind of like that. A negative one, this would be someone who maybe they attend church every week. They know all the Bible stories. They know all about God. They've been baptized before maybe. Maybe they prayed some prayer again, but they've never put their faith in Jesus. They've never repented of their sin. I mean, they've been around that they like to say that they're a Christian, but there's no conviction in their life. There's no evidence of fruit in their life. There's no evidence that God is working in their life. And, and, then, and then a zero would be someone who's crossed the line of salvation. This is someone who has given their life to Jesus. They put their faith in them. They've repented of their sins. And, and, then, and this is the starting line of their faith, zero. 
A one would be someone who's, who's beginning to grow in their walk with God. Maybe they're, they're reading their Bible some and they're in a small group and they're, they're kind of, you know, trying to, trying to learn a little more about God. They're sharing about the, with their friends about what God's been doing in their life. A, a number two might be someone who is, who is kind of actively sharing their faith and starting to serve in the church as well. And they're having a consistent quiet time, walk with God every single day, reading the Bible, prayer. They look forward to time with God every day. A three might be someone who is actually like leading a ministry. You know, they're, they're, they're just loving on people all the time. They're giving their lives away. Like they're, they're sharing their faith with people. They're leading people to Christ, etc. You know, like a number five would be like, you know, man, this, this, man, this guy, this dude's a pastor. Like he's the, like, he's just like, man, he's telling people about Jesus all the time. He's loving on people. He's, he's on missions trips. He's, he's doing all kinds of and then, and then maybe like like a seven would be like Billy Graham. You know what I'm saying? Like I mean, like you know, just like a like just yeah. I mean, that says enough. If you don't know who Billy Graham is, I'm sorry. And then and then number you know uh, like a nine would be like 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 the apostle Paul, you know what I'm saying? Or like Peter or somebody, like this is what we're talking about. This is, this is the Engel scale. You know, you get down to like five or six. I mean, these are people that are tithing, people that are just serving. They're in the church. I mean, that's what we're talking about. Does that make sense? It is almost an idea of, of where people are on their spiritual journey and their walk with God. Now, I know that here recently, we've had a lot of people cross the line of salvation, give their life to Jesus. And dude, we are so pumped about that. So pumped. In fact, we were talking about this the other day, that at 12 Stone Church, almost 2,000 people have received Jesus this year. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. In the first, like, 20 years of 12 Stone Church, 2,000 people didn't come to Christ, and that many people have come to Christ this year, and it's not even over. But let me say this. You're a zero. Who wants to be a zero? I mean, you've crossed the starting line, but you know we're close to the finish line. A lot of times it's like, well, you know, I got my get out of hell free card and, you know, well, I mean, like, hey, I'm sitting in this chair, I'm comfortable. And what happens is, is that people get in these chairs and, and they start getting comfortable at whatever number they're at. And so they just get in the church and they're like, well, hey, I'm a Christian, man, I'm good now. I'm just going to hang out here. I'm going to get comfortable, man. Hey, can somebody give me a Coke? Or what happens is, is that, you know, they go to camp and they cross the line and they're all excited about it and they get back and, and they're like, man, they're starting to go to the, to the one or whatever and then, and then they just kind of sit in the middle. <laughs> or they get the one and they start kind of growing a little bit and they're walking with God, but they just kind of get comfortable here. And this is the truth. Most churches and most youth ministries, most of the people live right here between a negative one and a one. See, we've done a good job as a church, and I'm talking about the church globally. We've done a good job as a church globally helping people cross the line of salvation, but we've done a terrible job getting them past the point of salvation. I'll tell you this, the longest distance in the world is from zero to one. It's from zero to one. You know how many people we call after they have come forward, they're crying, yeah, I want to give my life to Jesus. You know how many people we call and we're like, hey, um, 
Hey, man, I'm so excited for your decision you made last week. Hey, we got baptism coming up. I want to talk to you a little bit about your faith. Hey, can we have a little interview just to kind of talk about what's going on and kind of help you walk on this next journey? No, I'm good, man. I'm good. 60%. You're good? Is that, is that all it's about? Just crossing the line? The longest distance in the world is from zero to one. In fact, in physics, it takes eight times more force, eight times more force to initiate momentum than it does to maintain it or to sustain it. If you've ever had to push a car that's ran out of gas, you know what I'm talking about. You get the car and you're like, <laughs> everybody's pushing you really hard and finally the car starts to rolling. But once the car gets to rolling, I mean, one hand, you can just walk right beside it. Eight times more force to initiate momentum than it is to sustain it. And what happens is, is that we cross the line and we're like, hey, man, I'm good. It's all good. And we just get comfortable in this chair. And let me tell you something. Not only does it, is the challenge here to follow first, but the challenge is to follow close. If Jesus is over here, then as a follower of Christ, we should be wanting to, to go as fast as we can to do what we need to do to get to Jesus. That our eyes are in this direction, that he is leading and we are following this is the picture, and so we're following Jesus. He's over here, and so we're growing, and, and we're walking down this journey. And here's the deal. You can't skip. You can't go from like a one to an eight. If you want to get to an eight, you have to go to a two, a three, a four, a five. You don't just skip to an eight. It's a growth process that you grow in your walk with God, and you're, you're getting closer to Jesus as you're growing, and you're getting mentors, and you're getting involved in a life group, and you're growing in your walk with God. This is a part of the discipleship process. This is what Jesus modeled. This is what Jesus he is commanded for us to do, and he's pretty serious about it. This is discipleship. That it is not just us growing in our walk with God, following close to him, but it's also us looking back and helping people follow. I'm getting ahead of myself. Second point in your notes there is follow close. Follow close. The key to growing is following close to Jesus. Peter's greatest blunder in his life was his denial of Jesus. We see this in Matthew chapter 26. He denies Jesus three times after he's been arrested. This is what makes the story uh, more interesting. When you read it in, in Matthew chapter 26 verse 58, I want you to notice what it says. It says this, but Peter followed him at a distance. Second point is follow close. Peter followed him at a distance. Isn't that what we do? We follow Jesus, but we stay at such a distance that when things get a little shaky, we can just kind of step out the back door. Man, when you read the New Testament, you read the Gospels, many people follow Jesus. Jesus always had crowds following him. But the moment, and, and it was because they wanted to hear his teaching. They wanted the healing. They wanted the encouragement. They wanted the inspiration. But over and over and over again, we would see that Jesus would challenge them. And when he would challenge them, what would they do? They would walk away and leave. See, following at a distance gave them the luxury of being able to hear all that they could hear from Jesus, but being able to bail when they were challenged by him. And isn't that what we do? We say, man, God, I'm, I love you. Like, you're the best. Like, you're awesome. But we don't like that part about what you say in your word. And we bail. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 know, I know you say that we're supposed to serve first. I know you say we're supposed to care about our spiritual walk with you. But God, I don't want that. I got other things on my agenda. It was when Peter followed Jesus at a distance that he denied him. I want to challenge you to follow close, to chase after him, to seek after him with all that you are, with everything that you are. I know what some of you are thinking. Dude, I'm never going to bail on church. I'm never going to bail on God. That's not me. You don't know me. Like, man, I love God. I love Jesus. Like, like I'm all in. So was Peter. In fact, let me tell you what Peter said right before he denied Jesus. In Matthew 26, 35, just a few verses earlier, it says this. He says, but Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And in less than 24 hours, he denied Jesus three times. I mean, Jesus, even if I have to deny, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And a few hours later, he's denying him. Man, listen, students. If Peter would deny Jesus, don't think you're above it. This, this is why we have to follow close. This is why you have to make a commitment to be a part of H12, to be a part of a life group, to be a part of, of getting involved with some leaders that are further than you in your, your walk with God. You're a negative one. You're a zero. You're a one. You need to have adult leaders in your life that are threes, fours, fives, and sixes that you can look to, that can challenge you and bring you up. They are leading you as you follow you have to have that in your life. You have to have that to grow. You have to have that to grow. Not only do you follow close, but the next one is this, find followers. We see Peter getting on fire for Jesus. He, this is, you know, he's, he's already preached his first sermon. Jesus is resurrected, and, and now he's a leader in the church, and many people are coming to Christ through his ministry. And we even see Paul say it this way. Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. And this is literally what Paul's saying. Paul's saying, hey, listen, if you're behind me, follow me. Because if you follow me, it's like following Christ. Because my life looks like Jesus because I'm following Jesus. I got my eyes fixed on him. And if I got my eyes fixed on him, if you follow behind me, your eyes are going to be fixed on me too. Because they're all looking in that direction towards Jesus. Follow me as I follow Christ. Not for my glory, but because if you follow me, you're going to see Jesus because I'm chasing after him. Find followers that, that every believer, every person who follows Jesus should be looking behind them, helping people go forward. And let me tell you something. I, I truly believe this with all of my being, with everything that I am. I've seen this hap play out so many different times that I do not know a person that is passionate about Jesus that does not have a line behind them. Not one. I do not know a person who is passionate about Jesus, no matter their age, that does not have a line behind them. I think it's interesting that when you look at studies, people who have followed Jesus longer, studies show, have less people that are far from God behind them. And I think that's intriguing because when you look at the New Testament, as you see the disciples and other people who are giants in our faith that we read about and talk about now, that the more mature they were in their faith, the longer the line was behind them, not the shorter. 
Maybe the marker of spiritual maturity is not how well you know the Bible stories or how much you attend youth group, but maybe it's the line that's behind you. Find followers. Find followers. Who's following you? What does the line look like behind you? But I love Jesus, but nobody's behind you. That's the reason next week, we got a student that's going to speak next week, Mike Smith. Mike is the man if you don't know Mike. Mike wouldn't tell you he's the man because if he was the man, he, if, if he thought he was the man, he wouldn't be the man. And let me tell you this. Very few high school students I've ever met in my life have influenced more people in their school the way Mike Smith has. And he's talking next week about being a passionate follower of Jesus, that followers are passionate. And let me tell you something. I don't know a person who is passionate that doesn't have a line behind them, and I'm here to tell you that dude has a line behind him. He loves Jesus. He's passionate about Jesus. I got him talking about passion next week because he is that. I don't say that to elevate Mike no more than I say look at Peter to elevate Peter. It is about elevating Jesus who is working in Mike. It is about elevating Jesus who's working through Peter. It is about elevating Jesus who's working through Paul. That when you follow close to Jesus, people want to be a part of what you got. And if people don't want to be a part of what you got, you are not following close to Jesus. People say, well, you can't talk like this. You can't like tell students this. You can't get up in their grill like this. You can't be this honest with them. You're going to hurt their feelings. I would rather hurt your feelings than you walk out of here and think that you were sold out for Jesus when you're not. This is serious. This is life or death. This is eternity. This isn't about feeling good. This isn't about knowing the truth. And you say, well, I'm a new believer. How, 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 can, how can I find followers? Well, you should, you should look back at negative ones, negative twos, negative threes, negative fours, negative fives, and you should help them find faith because the truth is, is that typically people that are sitting right here in this zero chair have more people in these chairs than anybody down this row. So, so if you're sitting in this chair, you need to be saying to your friends, hey man, you need to come and check out H12. Hey man, do you see this change that's in my life? I don't really know what's going on, but I just know that I've had an encounter with Jesus and my life's changing. You're reaching back to these friends and you're helping them find faith. And then you're also looking ahead and you're finding a mentor, someone ahead of you, a, an adult leader, or maybe even a student who's a three or a four or two and you're saying hey man how can I grow and what are you doing and how'd you handle this struggle and and they say well this is how I handled it let me walk with you in that let me show you some scriptures that I memorized and then you start growing and you start seeking God and then you get to this chair right here and you don't stop in this chair and get comfortable you say I'm going to keep going and and then you keep going and then you keep going and you keep growing in your walk with God so that one day you're able to say God's able to say well done good and faithful servant God's able to look back at you and say man what man what a faithful life and then you're able to leave a legacy behind you because of your walk with God which leads me to the fourth thing and final thing follow to the finish follow to the finish follow to the finish 
doesn't matter how well you start if you don't make it to the end. There's many of people who lose it at the end. Where are my juniors and seniors at? <laughs> I can't do it. I was going to be really mean right there, but I was actually going to say, no, where are you at? I know you're here. But where are you leading? I mean, I know you're present. I know you're juniors and seniors, and you're supposed to be leading. You're supposed to be the front runners. You're supposed to be helping the younger students grow in their walk with God. You're supposed to be leading the movement of God at your school. You're supposed to be leaving a legacy behind you. But where are you at? I think one of the biggest wastes sometimes, if I can just be honest, is that a lot of seniors get so wrapped up in it being senior year and, hey, man, like, man, it's my friends and, hey, man, I got, I got to do this thing at school and, man, I got graduation stuff and I got prom and, man, I got senior skip day because that's just what seniors do and, and I got all this kind of stuff and, man, it's, it's all about me and it's so internally focused and, senior, man, that's senior. Senioritis is senior all the way and your grades are strong and, all, and it's all about you and it's all that stuff's going on and it's like, Really? The biggest opportunity that you have to leave a legacy, to reach back and influence the people behind you, and you're letting that go? Do you know how many freshmen that are in this room that would love for you to be present? Let's just talk real talk. Don't think you can get casual with God and casual with everything else in your life the last year of your high school and think that when you get to college, all of a sudden you're going to be on fire for Jesus in the church serving and going after it. That's why studies show that 85%, 85% of students make it to their senior year of high school as virgins. 85%. After their freshman year of college and senior year of high school, only 17% are still virgins. 85% to 17% from senior year of high school and freshman year of college. Don't think you can get casual with your faith and everything else because you're a senior and the world revolves around you. No, that is your time to step up. That's your time to leave a legacy. Let me tell you something. Peter had no clue the legacy he was going to lead when he was walking with Jesus. He had no clue that he would write two books in the Bible. He had no clue that pastors and people would be reading about him and teaching about him for thousands of years beyond his life and studying him and wanting to see how they could get closer to Jesus because of his life. He had no idea the influence that he was going to have. He followed Jesus in every way, even in the way that Jesus died. For when he was taken to be crucified, he even says it this way. The story goes, I'm not worthy to be crucified like my Lord. Crucify me upside down. He was crucified upside down. He knew his priorities. He knew what was first. And it was Jesus. So this is what I want you to do if you're taking notes. We're going to close out with this. The first thing I want you to do is this. Assess. Assess. In a message that's heavy like this, that's a little bit up in your kitchen, a little bit in your grill, which it should be. You know, the Bible 
the Bible tells us scripture is useful in teaching, correcting, rebuking, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Sometimes we teach, sometimes we correct, sometimes we rebuke. Assess. I want you to assess where you're at. Where are you? I want you to assess where you're at. Are you a negative two, a negative three, a negative four? Are you a negative one? You've been around church your whole life. You know all the right answers, but you've never crossed that line of salvation. Did you give your life to Christ a year ago, two years ago, six months ago, six weeks ago? You crossed the starting line, but you're not concerned about the finish line. You're just sitting here in this chair comfortable. Are you a one? Man, you started growing, and you just got stagnant. People called you a leader in middle school. You were leading all kinds of things in middle school in M12. Where are you at now? Or maybe you're over here. And God's doing an amazing work in your life, and you're growing like crazy. But honestly, if you look back behind you, there's not much of a line because you're not looking back and you're not reaching back and you're not helping people follow. So the first is assess. The second thing is this, act. you got to assess where you're at. you got to know where you're at. And what do I need to do to act? What do I need to do to grow, to go to the next chair? Do I need to sign up for a missions trip, which next week after the service, we're going to, have, uh, we're going to be announcing our missions trips for next year, and, and, uh, and we're going to have a meeting for parents and for students on all the information about our, uh, our missions trips for next spring break and next summer during the Connection Group time, which we're excited about. Maybe you need to sign up for a missions trip. Maybe you need to make a commitment to sign up for a life group, and actually don't just sign up, but actually show up, and don't just show up, but actually show up from the start to the finish, not just the first six weeks, and then, oh, wait a minute, school got busy, or I have other other things going on in my life. Mm. Sorry, that was for the leaders. Maybe you need to get in God's word. Maybe you need to get in God's word. You need to, you need to spend time eating some of the bread of life. Growing in your faith. Assess. Know where you're at. Act. Do something to get to the next place. And the third thing is assist. Assist. Assist those behind you in helping them find and know how to follow Jesus. Help them know how to find Jesus. I'm going to close with this quote from Leonard Sweet. He says this We are the followers, He is the dance. Feel the rhythm, pass the music, pass the motion, make some music, get up and dance. Here's my challenge to you. Will you get up and dance? That's what I'm talking about. Will you get up and dance? Will you, will you be able to put yourself out there and say, you know what? I don't care what anybody else thinks. I want to see a movement of God happen in my life. I want to see a movement of God happen in the lives of people around me. I want to see a movement of God happen in my school. Because let me tell you something. All it takes is one person to get up, to invite other people along with them, and a movement begins to be born. 
Will you step up? Will you get in the game? Will you dance? God, I just want to pray for these students tonight. God, as we start out this new series, oomph, one of my followers. God, we all want to know what it means to follow you. And God, truthfully, we can never lead unless we know how to follow. That at the core of Christian leadership is followership. God, I know every person in this room is on a different place on this scale and a different place in their journey with you. And God, I pray that they would do some business with you on figuring out how to get to the next place on this scale. To go deeper in their journey with you. Lord, I pray for those that are negative twos, negative threes, negative ones. They've never made that decision to follow you, to put their faith in you, to surrender their life to you. I asked the question earlier, who wants to be a zero? The truth is, every person who's a negative wants to be a zero. And God, I pray that you would help them to get serious about their faith and put their faith and trust in you, to turn from their sin and turn to your love. And God, for those who have been just kind of hanging out at zero and one, that they would take seriously their walk with you, that they would grow, that they would step forward. God, I pray that every one of us in this room would be at a different place, would be at a different place six months from now because we're committed to following close to you. So, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your love. We thank you for this time that we have together. May our worship be pleasing in your sight. May our lives be a pure reflection of who you are so that we can have a line behind us of people who are sold out for Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.